Rebel Force Radio presents... Incoming! No, no, no! Clone Wars. Declassified. So, this is where the fun begins. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars. The Clone Wars. Here we go. In laser collectors! Maximum firepower. Boom! All batteries return fire. Oh, yes, sir! Now it's time for Clone Wars. Declassified. All right, we are at the halfway point of Season 5. And I guess it's that time for the Clone Wars to kick into high gear. And boy, did it ever with eminence. Cannot wait to talk about this episode. And we've got a fantastic panel here joining us right here on Clone Wars Declassified. First of all, starting with my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Glad to be back at the roundtable, this time talking about villains. Who? What? When? Where? Try all of them in one place at one time. Gone are the days of pint-sized heroes leading automated droids into battle. (laughs) Those days are over with. Now we're moving forward with Darth Maul, Savage Opress, Pre Vizsla, and the rest. And yeah. they're all there, man. They are all there. Talk about a Star Wars supervillain gangbang. We got it here. <laughs> we're going to be talking about it tonight. On the clone- <laughs> That's an clone- interesting <laughs> turn of phrase. Uh, also joining us, we haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, we're always grateful to have him when his schedule allows. Our good buddy, our brother in the forest, Kyle Newman, joining us again. Well, it is so good to be back with you guys, but in an all-new way. Yeah, it's an honor as always to be here talking Star Wars with with um, you guys because there's no place better. To he's talk looking Star around. He's Wars. like, "What are their names again?" Jason and Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> what are their names again? Oh uh, no! What'd you say? I, I thought you were you were struggling to remember our names. It's been so long. <laughs> no, I was gonna, with Stephen Barry. <laughs> Stephen Barry sounds like a much more festive kind of show, doesn't it? Rather than Jason and Jimmy. Stephen Barry. Maybe that's who they'll get to host the Force cast. (laughs) 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 Anyway, also joining us. Now, here's a guy we haven't talked to since Celebration 6. Uh, Joining us for the second time to talk Clone Wars. You know him from Fallout Boy, but he is a fellow Star Wars fan and loves to geek out about all things from a galaxy far, far away. Our pal, Mr. Andy Hurley. Andy, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, we're so glad that such you... A, uh, such a great episode to be back for, you know? I think the last time we spoke with you uh, talking about Clone Wars was for the uh, premiere episode of Season 5 that had its debut uh, at Celebration 6, which was the first time we saw Maul here this season. Yeah, it was. Revival. It's all mall for me, you know. All mall for you. (laughs) Now, Andy, I remember you telling me that you had quite a collection of, uh, like, uh, statues and busts and that sort of thing. Are you a mall guy? Do you have any mall stuff? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I just got, uh, I can't remember the name of the scale, but, like, not legendary, but just below that from Sideshow Collectibles, I got, like, Basically, a half-size mall. Oh, uh, like uh, a half a half scale or one yeah, quarter scale. scale, one quarter scale. It's big, right? Yep. <clears throat> Huge. Right, right. And the- then um, I, I got two actually since I've not been home. The other being a mall, also a little smaller than that. I, I have a ton. I, I have so many. Ton. It's unbelievable. So- I'll, I'll have to send you a picture. Yeah, please do. We'd love to post that uh, on our on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. But, uh, yeah, no, it's an honor to have you back. And, of course, uh, we are talking about eminence. For those of you listening to this in the future, that would be episode 14 of season five, original air date, January 19th, 2013, written by Chris Collins and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. And as Jimmy mentioned, this is quite a move switch from what we just experienced for the last four episodes 
Uh, as Dave Filoni mentioned on the program last week, playtime is over. It's time to get down and dirty. And Jim, you mentioned about this being a, a, uh, a an episode where we get all of the villains. I, I heard someone on Facebook saying that this is the Star Wars Rogues Gallery, the Clone Wars Rogues Gallery, all uh, all united. And you know, sometimes that can be looked at as okay, they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at us. But Kyle, I think that the way that they did it. And where they're going with this story, it really worked. It did. I mean, overall, I love the episode. I did the big picture of it. I had a couple issues with the pacing. It felt like the second two acts of it were just highlights. I almost wanted to spend a little more time, especially since we got four episodes of The Dancing Frog. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who is, in my opinion, not, not a Stephen Stanton criticism. I think he did a great job. It's just... The writing doesn't didn't sustain four episodes of a character that at best should be a sidekick, never featured, let alone in four episodes with droids that didn't need that many droids either. They were forgettable, and all of a sudden we're just breezing through the pikes and <laughs> and we're breezing through Black Sun and we're breezing through Nalhuda and we also go to Tatooine. It just it covered, in my opinion, too much territory for one episode. This could have been two episodes paced really well and i would have loved every second of it i'm happy i got one episode of it kind of cleansed the mouth from last week you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean that's been this is one of those pacing issues and i wish five seasons in we'd finally get it right (laughs) with why are we spending so much like we spent too much on krell last season we spent way too much with gascon and the robots this year and there's beautiful stuff in those episodes it's not like i hated all of it there's always something great in these episodes Mm -hmm. um Oh, was something spectacular. Even the end of that last one was was great. But then this one, this is the kind of episode you want to just take a little more time. Like I wanted the Pikes to have a better entrance. I wanted to, you know, but it still checked every box of what I want to see in an episode. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was such a, Andy, for us, I think it was such a breath of fresh air, like Kyle was saying, from the last four episodes. And I remember going back last season to the Krell arc uh, where you had the, uh, the Dark Jedi, not a Sith, um, General Krell, he kind of went off the deep end, and they gave us four episodes of that, and it seemed like every episode was just like the same thing that happened in the last one, only a little bit more elevated and heightened. It does leave you scratching your head about where they give you know, these, these plum three, four uh, part arcs to, um, because it seemed like this one, as Kyle was saying, was great, really great, but... We could have we could have uh, maybe taken our time a little bit more with this. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's exactly how I left feeling. I feel like these are some of the most important things in the Star Wars universe that they're touching on now. Like Black Sun, I've wanted to see forever. All this stuff, you know, Death Watch is one of my favorite parts of Clone Wars. Obviously, Maul coming back. Um, I've always wanted to see Mal Hada. All these things that are happening that I feel like could be a movie, but on its own, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like Kyle said, it, the it, it felt so rushed on some of the parts, and and you know that's such a good point. They spend four episodes on this guy who should definitely just be a sidekick. This should have been. I, I could have spent an episode for each, you know. Um gathering of criminals like each each organization they run into i could spend a whole whole episode with that you know Mm -hmm. with each one now now jim is this i mean obviously this is a criticism that is kind of universal based on you know what i'm hearing with kyle and and andy and how myself i feel just to play devil's advocate a little bit was the thought here to kind of just show an all-out blitzkrieg was this done intentionally to show how uh, unstoppable, unbeatable, and relentless this new rising force is? That's fair to say, you know, um, match the editing to be representative of the fierceness and the the fast-working velocity that these Sith Lords are using to overthrow the galaxy, especially when they got in league with the Black Sun, and they showed a montage of everyone working to prepare the war effort and stopped with Darth Maul sort of overseeing everything 
it reminded me a little bit of Lord of the Rings when Saruman is building up his army and they're tearing down the trees and the orcs are working and he's overseeing that whole operation. Then Pre Vizsla comes behind and puts his hand on Maul's shoulder and Maul was like, uh, no, I don't think so, pal. I don't think we're that close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, hey, when you, know, you talk about pacing, that's always been something that George Lucas has been criticized throughout his career is the way he unfolds a story, especially during the prequel era. A lot of people felt too much time was spent on Anakin as a young kid, and they should have maybe focused more on his Jedi development. And some people felt his slide to the dark side might have been a little too rushed while there was too much time spent rolling around in the grass fields of Naboo or hanging out at the fire. There were juicier things, morsels of Star Wars to be devouring at that time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's just how George does it. He gets hyper-focused on certain things and really gives it a lot of time to breathe. And then other elements, which you think would be so obvious to him to spend a lot of time on, he breezes over. And why is that? Probably because, like I said, they're so obvious to everyone. To him, it's too obvious. So he likes to sometimes spend more time on individual character growth and telling a, a personal story through that individual character. Then you get to these action-packed episodes like, like Eminence and it's the pacing. Then all of a sudden it's throttled down to the floor and open it up. And so it comes at you really fast and you notice the contrast. Then you're like, Oh my God, we were just walking around the void, having a good old time with whack and, and gas gun. And then the next thing you know. Oh, wait. Who can forget that short order chef, Jimmy? Uh, I told you I ended up. Got a whole episode of him as a villain, man. Celestin cuisine, man. Orcus. Yes, yes, because finally we would get savory Celestin secrets revealed. <laughs> savory being the key word there. Orcus. Yeah. You're always yeah. dishwasher. But sometimes just wait till next week, next season when they have an Iron Chef episode with uh, uh, between Borkus and uh, Dexter Jetster, and that's not and the only Jokan fruit is going to be back, right? <laughs> and make cakes. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. With a little side of uh, poison snapple, we'll, we'll bring the greatest hits back. Yeah. Do you guys feel like I get it that it's like a it's like a, it was like the rush, the Blitzkrieg? Yeah, the adrenaline of that. Right, but. It's it's a storytelling choice, and that's at the expense of t- at the expense of tension, and that's mm-hmm. where my problem is. This is a five star episode, so don't get me wrong. Okay. This is one of my favorites, okay. especially this season. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars with this crew and these people on all cylinders, these guys can be making five and a half star episodes, right? And if they would just get it right, and they could weed out some of that other stuff, balance the other episodes right. Because I can't just look at it as just this episode. I have to look at it in context to what just happened and what I've been sitting through for the past month <laughs> next to this episode because it's a series. These aren't standalones. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it saying, well, how much more tension could it have been the buildup to like we're going to invade Jabba's palace or we're going to Nal Hutta. Get ready, guys. There's a, there's, a, there's a dramatic choice you make in how you tell that story. And this was neutered of that. In a way, it's a different different choice. I still liked it. But it was neutered of that because of episode space, how much time you can do it in and how what's appropriated for what story and what's not. And I guess that comes down to to George. So this is going to be one of my criticisms is four episodes and that was too much. Mm-hmm. This one, we want more. And it's just kind of riding the line of what fans want. I, be, I bet if you ask kids, they'd rather get more of this action than wandering around the void. And it is at the expense of dramatic tension because I didn't ever feel like they were in jeopardy of achieving their mission because the way it's presented was in almost like a montage trailer kind of way of just like rounding up the troops, you know? Yeah, it almost felt like one of the Tom Kane intros. Yeah, you know? like it didn't have no, – nothing had the weight I thought it could, but it was still great. And they did that well with the Black Sun bit. Um and I just wanted even more weight as it went on. Well, and Andy, much, I think happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on it. I'm just trying to see if we can kind of figure out a, a reason. And I'm wondering, Andy, would if they would have just shown, you know, the three 
major, or excuse me, the four major, we call them battles or takeovers, the uh, Black Sun, the Pikes, Nalhutta, and then the siege on Tatooine. If they would have really taken their time with that, would we have had the same criticism and said, okay, they were kind of all the same, you know, they land on the planet, the takeover, they deal, you know, would they have ran the run the risk of being repetitious that way? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I think it's definitely a lot of the same kind of recruitment happening between the criminal organizations, except the Pikes, who willingly joined. But even that wasn't a moment, you know? Yeah, they they should have had... Everything should have been more of a moment. The decapitation of the Black Sun leaders should have been... The, the highlight, you know, the, the, yeah. It could, been, now, it could have ended the episode. Where have I heard? I heard somewhere that there is uh, a shot of the decapitated bodies that exists that we might see on a DVD. Did I? Did I? Yeah, I just, I, I just read it on uh, the Star Wars wiki. Okay. That uh, Pablo Hidalgo confirmed that the unedited sequence would be on the Blu-ray. On the Blu-ray. Okay. Well, get your Blu-ray if you want to see some headless felines. Make sure you pick up that Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, by the way, someone help me out. Who are the Pikes? Should we know who they are? Should I know who they are? They're new, correct? Are they new? They're new. Okay, all right. They seem very new, very... You would remember them. I would. I thought that I would, but then I started thinking, oh my God, are they, are they part of the separatist leadership? Else, or? No, I mean... We've not seen a Pike before, or have we? Not that I can remember. Other than Captain Pike. I guess they're new. You say Captain Pike, they are kind of Star Trek-y. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but, uh, so anyway, they, they, may have, they may have run the risk of, of repeating Spice themselves. Dealers, but I guess. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, so the episode opens up where we, le- where we left Maul and Oppress uh, marooned uh, on board their ship. And they're picked up by Death Watch. And... I'm wondering, Jim, there was a moment where Maul sees Vizsla's helmet, and there's this recognition moment. And what are we to take from that? Where would Maul have come across that mark before? Is it a deviation from something else? or? Well, it certainly did seem like there was a, a familiarity going on when he saw it. But then he asked, what is it? Right. That's what I, I didn't there's, follow. There's that. absolutely no previous clue or hint that I can find that would make a connection between Darth Maul and the Death Watch, even crossing paths prior to this episode. Remember, he's been out of it for a long time. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I could think of is... is would the Death Watch have ever, during Maul's tutelage under Palpatine, would the Death Watch have maybe ever been um, a mention by Palpatine? Would they have ever done anything that came to his attention to where he might have talked yeah, to Maul? Maybe, but there's absolutely nothing right. in any prior episodes of the Clone Wars that would give us indication of that. Right. Kyle, Maul's goal now, is he's, he's kind of, it's larger than just vengeance on Obi-Wan. But he hasn't really come out and, ex- and, and stated it exactly. But it seems like he's still going after Obi-Wan and he's talking about Dooku being a Sith pretender. He's not legitimate. That he's the legitimate Sith Lord and his apprentice is his brother, Savage Oppress. Um, why does a, a, a Sith Lord that he, you know, fancies himself Lord of the Universe... Uh, what does he need a bunch of thugs and gangsters and bounty hunters? And what does he need a, an army for? Well, he doesn't have the time or nuance that, that Palpatine and Plagueis did to slowly build it of a thousand years. So what he's trying to do is, you know, plays a little bit into Maul as we used to know him. It's just like a more of a, a sharp weapon. And he's going to use what his skills are. Um, and he doesn't have the time to sit and let this idea bake and marinate for a thousand years. He's going to make a play. Um, it is interesting that he calls uh, them the true Sith. I understand yes. calling Dooku a Sith pretender, but I don't. I, I didn't expect him to deny Sidious's rightful position. 
Um, but, but we've not, but we've not heard him actually mention Sidious or even refer to Sidious. I mean, he has mentioned his master, but he's not made any any threats that we've heard or really confided in a press that we've been privy to. Well, I to. think saying we are the true Sith is basically saying they are not. So, you know, um, let's let's take that statement right there. We are the true Sith. He's staking a claim on that. So, what's to say? that Palpatine and those other Sith that spent a thousand years laying the foundation for this plan to eventually overthrow the galaxy and lead the future as a Sith rule, what makes them right when you have Maul and his brother out there who are doing what Sith should be doing, which is just you know, bulls in a china shop. They're taking over everything. It's it's siege. It's it's none of this hiding behind phony pol- politics and all that stuff. That would be they're much more fun as far as Sith go, if you ask me. They're the fun <laughs> Sith. But you're saying they're they're in that you're thinking that they that's an assumption on the past one thousand years of Sith. Yes, that they yes. are that they, legitimate because they were patient. Are they illegitimate, though, or are they the real deal? And that thousand years of plotting and everything was just a big waste of time when the Sith... No, it's brilliant. Obviously, Maul hasn't seen that through to its complete execution because we're not at the point of Revenge of the Sith yet in this plot, and they haven't fully taken over the galaxy. So I can see that conjecture, but... Now, he did... He did. Well, like he did make the connection with the Clone Wars when he first came back. He did. That his master's plan had come had to fruition. Set in motion. So right. he knew. He knew they were on the correct trajectory. I think this is posturing on his part. Um, That's the question. That's the, the question. And power is, that legitimate, is that a legitimate statement for him to make? Is he? Could he and Savage actually be the legitimate Sith? No. So you're saying that they're posers? No, one guy's cooked up in a Betty Crocker oven, and the other guy <laughs> has been gone for ten years, and he was only a student. Okay, all right, there you go. No, right. he's—they're not real Sith, but I think it's posturing because it is interesting. He says, we're, "We want." He's like, "What do you want?" He puts him on the spot, and I think it was a little bit clunky dialogue. But he says, "You know, leading up to this, fortune and power." And Sam Witwer, by the way, is fantastic as Darth Maul. Oh yeah, I, I oh love yeah, fantastic. This Darth Maul. But that line did not ring true for me, and it wasn't down to performance. It was just like, since when was Darth Maul into fortune and power? I thought he was all about revenge since the minute he's emerged back on the scene. Yeah, but I think that's a, I think that's a bluff. I think that's him appealing. You know, first he kind of mentioned it when he was uh, working with the pirates, you know, because he was appealing to what is exciting for them, what motivates them. And in the case of, of Death Watch, it's very clear that they're after power. They want to. They want to take back what they feel is uh, is rightfully theirs. So maybe Kyle, it's it's him playing to, you know, the emotions he of. He yeah? doesn't need to play to him. But he does. He, he said, well who he, you, who he who put you there? Who do you hate? And he's like Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> right. No, it's like he's got revenge in his sights. Yeah, and he's going to let him have Mandalore. Unless that is part of his plan is to take Mandalore, but he can't wake up from a sleep and all of a sudden, in a split second, decide that Mandalore is his new target, then it doesn't really have any weight to it. Well, do, does he – wait a minute. Oh, a- Andy, is he really interested in, in Mandalore or is he just interested in the, the army, the force that Vizsla and the Death Watch can provide him on the way? He's cagey yeah, I mean, because obviously there's beats of that. He's that's hiding. the way I take it. But he is – they are after something bigger and him and Savage Press have those two beats where they're not going to – he's like, we are not going to reveal what we're really after. But for him to come out and say fortune and power, it just felt – Well, what, what should he have said? It, what do you think he should have said? Revenge? Revenge because then you're letting the other guys feel like, oh, if you just want revenge – We'll take the fortune and power. What a great deal. And then in the end of the day, you backstab him and you take the fortune and power. I keep wanting to say fortune and glory, by the way. 
So that that little line, I, I just don't know why it didn't mm. sit right with me. Mm. Especially I watched okay. it three times, and each time it got worse and worse. Really? And then also, Vizsla talking about corrupt Satine being corrupt. I don't think that's the correct assessment of her either. She he could say flaccid and weak and ineffective, and she's a disgrace to their culture, but she's not corrupt. Or so is that was she? weird too. Or is she? Are well, we, we don't no. know yet, but there is everything st- I know of her does not seem corrupt. I mean, he, I would say that you could make the same argument. You know, Anakin in Episode Three believes that the Jedi are corrupt. Well, in a so lot I, mean, of ways, I, 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 I agree with that. Corrupt, yeah. So, what, Andy? I mean, I think she's corrupt from the standpoint of what being a Mandalorian warrior is. She's corrupted everything they stand for, which is war and expansion and conquest. She's absolutely a corruption of that. She's sold them out. Yeah. They, Mandalorians don't play politics. They don't ally with anyone else except themselves. But that you know, means corrupt. I mean, I don't feel like if corrupt means I feel like she's doing double-handed deals and... Mm. Pretending to be something she's not, and I—I I guess I just but I took feel it like a in, in his mind she is, and in, in his mind she's pretending to be Mandalorian, and she's not. She's okay. corrupting what it is. I mean, you know, she's I, yeah, she's corrupting what okay. it means to be Mandalorian in Vizsla's eyes. I, I think we all that just you, agree on one thing. What? That we are glad we are not single men on Conquered Dawn because all the chicks <laughs> look like dudes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everyone walking around that looks like Annie Lennox with the <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. Katan fans, you can reach Kyle. <laughs> she, she was she looked a little better, but everyone else, every female extra just had like the butch kind of haircut and you couldn't tell the dude from the girl a little bit. Hmm. No, I I thought, I thought Bo Katan was all right. I, 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 re- I removed her from my criticism. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> right. She's well, the only redhead on the planet. They, they single her out. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they do have a, a certain, um, yes, um, way about them. I'm sure that the women wear quite comfortable shoes there in, uh, in Death Watch. But at any rate, okay, so Maul, I think, is, is holding back. Kyle, you were saying, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to play to Vizsla's... Uh, self-interests but i think that he does he's he's obviously holding back in fact it reminds me jim of when you read in the darth plagueis novel you know as as sidious is sitting as palpatine in various meetings and in certain situations and he's just sitting there thinking to himself that he could kill everybody within seconds right right you know so i'm wondering if if maul's having a little bit of that if maul is 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 having to restrain himself. It seems that way. He just wants to play this out. Well, yeah, of course. He's being much more cold and calculating than what we're accustomed to seeing from the character of Darth Maul, that's for sure. <laughs> way more so. And, um, yeah, he's tolerating pre right now. He's just putting up with him. He's going to get what he needs from pre and then chew him up and spit him out. You know that's going to happen. You're already seeing signs of disrespect coming from Maul toward pre but yeah, he's not whipping out his lightsaber and decapitating him. So no. I mean, that's that's uh, the other extreme that Maul would most likely go into. So um, no, you see it when, like I said, Previsla comes up behind Maul, puts his hand on his shoulder as if they're peers. You know, they are not peers. Darth Maul knows this. Mm-hmm. Previsla is a tool, and he's going to be used up until he can't be used anymore and he's going to be thrown away in the trash. And then you also see it when Darth Maul, shades of Darth Vader, I'm altering the plan. Pray I don't alter it any further. We're getting to that point in the relationship with these two cats where it's going to come down to that. Where Pre is finally going to get fed up with hearing Maul feed him a bunch of bull and he's going to call him out on it and then the next thing you know he's going to be grasping for his throat clutching to you know to life mm. trying to breathe so that's that's my prediction on where this relationship is going to eventually go you're going to see the sith attitude 
come out, just like you saw it come out of Vader on Cloud City as he kept renegotiating the deal with Lando on the fly, you're starting to see that go on here a little bit between Maul and Pre Vizsla. Yeah, definitely. Andy, there was um, another interesting scene where Maul actually chokes out uh, Catan. And at the end, you know, he walks out and Vizsla comes over and they kind of smile at each other. So what kind of a what kind of a put on was that? Yeah, that, I did notice that. Um, I think they see him as, you know, obviously Sith. He's very driven by anger. They probably think that they have the drop on him. You know, mm. they probably uh. see him as as a pawn who is just, you know, simple so simply motivated that. You know, like he says later in the previsual says later in the episode, they'll get rid of them when Mandalore is theirs or whatever. Right. So they're really, I mean, they're both uh, working kind of with and against each other. They're yeah. both using each other for their mutual advantage, and then it's just going to be a matter of of who offs who first. As the uh, as as the plot moves along, um, we see that. Hey, Kyle, are you typing? Hello. Me? Yeah. Me? <laughs> you can't type. I'm, the, I'm just using the Wikipedia to look up Lom Pike. <laughs> I wanted to compliment him on his gorgeous purple eyes. Right. I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was hearing. No, he's things. my kind of alien, by the way. Lom Pike. Yeah. Badass. Right. So the uh, the Black Sun. Now this is probably. Next to, say, Ala Sakura in the films, Kyle, this is probably one of the biggest tips of the hat that George Cannon has ever given to the EU. This is clearly uh, a full embrace of the Felines and the Black Sun organization. Are you glad to see them officially join the ranks of uh, G-level Cannon? I felt it was a poor incarnation. They failed to use Feline pheromones. <laughs> There was no pheromones, were there? No at least, pheromones. At least uh, Bo-Katan should have fallen for one of them, right? I do want to say this. I, was, I had a friend over, and he was just hanging out, and he came into the room, and I was watching the episode. And he grew up with Star Wars. He's younger than me. He's in his 20s. Uh, but he's never seen a single episode of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Came in right then, and he was watching it. You know, Just before then, he watched the, them capture the beginning of the episode which I thought was great. That was like aliens. It was kind of like a nod to aliens when they, they find Ripley, the lighting, all the dust in the air and the particles catching light. That was great. Right. Joel Aaron, good job. Um, then it moved into you know the, the little conversation, and he was like, oh, this is great. He's like, I don't like the music. The music doesn't have the same impact. So he's watching it clean, but he's a big Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And then we got to that scene, and he's, he's like, she's or. So immediately they got the look right because this is the guy right? like, that was probably right? the last. The, the Star purple Wars robes and the yep right and the ponytails. And like, Shizor and I was like, well, you're right. It's Feline and they're Black Sun, but it's not Shizor for whatever reason. He's not there. Um, ah, so, but somebody's got to take over for all the guys that get killed. True. Perhaps that's the uh, entree. True. To These are Shizor's, you know, precursors. This is maybe like one of his uncles or something. Um, so. That, I thought they did do a good job of capturing that in the Clone Wars style. It was an instant recognition, mm. um, and this is the first incarnation of it we've ever seen like that. So you're right. Like I think they did a good job, a very reverential way of, of bringing it to life because you could tell. They gave it you know, some unique attributes. The one guy with that Fu Manchu that was almost part of his skin, or I don't know if yeah. it, was, it was green, but it was like a mustache, little beads. Yeah. Um, Zatan Maj. Yes. I believe. <laughs> Good job. Um, but, like I said, the pheromones, I was hoping, like, Darth Maul would maybe, his guard would be caught off and he was going to get all soft-eyed for... <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe Zomit Grunsight? Yeah, yeah. he was weak in the knees. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking maybe Bo-Katan could have fallen for that, but maybe the, uh, the Mando helmet screens so that I, out I don't, we don't know yet if it's a 100 percent incarnation of shadows of the empire feline because they may not have that special power in this world 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did. I did love them, and I don't. I don't miss that special power. Okay. All right. So, so this is this is a this is a better Black Sun, better Feline, uh, Sans the uh, the Love Potion pheromones. If anything, I question the choice of location. I feel like a lot of people are opening up shop on Mustafar, and it, it's kind of making it much less of a special place at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It felt like a really remote spot, totally out of the way that you would go to kind of hide people. And now I feel like there's maybe a Starbucks on Mustafar. There's a lot of people on business. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Just I could see that. Bit. Yeah, right. no, Not yet. If I see it again, then it's going to become They'll never find us here. small world. There's enough planets in this, in this universe. They don't have to all go to Mustafar. Um, but I did like it in Children of the Jedi. Now, now here's a question: Was that was that um, meeting prearranged, or was that sort of an ambush? Because perhaps Mustafar is one of those places where they just kind of agree. It's kind of neutral territory. It would be hard to have the uh, the high ground uh, on if that's uh, on the Mustafar. Case, then I would like that to just be included as a line or a reference. Right now, it felt like it was a. I felt like it was slightly arranged. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it didn't. It didn't seem like what are you prearranged? Get out of here! And right. Yeah, and he did have you know the, the envoy there, uh, Zatan Maj, did come out to greet them. Um, yeah. So that was you know that that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the pacing. Is that I, I feel like in some cases I didn't really know what was going on. Like, that's a good example. Was this, did they just show up on their doorstep? And I'll be honest with you guys, I hardly even realized it was Mustafar. I just, I just kind of thought it was Black Sun Homeworld. Yeah, I thought it was, um, but there wasn't any obvious, you know. Boy, it's your Black Sun Homeworld? <laughs> What's that? Wait, was it? It looked to me like. No, it was Mustafar. It was Mustafar. But okay. I just sort of assumed that, you know, there's, there's, there's now Hutta. I figured that Black Sun. Uh, does anyone remember the name of the planet where, um, where Shizor was hanging out, or was he on Coruscant? He was on Coruscant. He was on Coruscant. That's right, because know, he was that, with Palpatine. Whole world. What's that? That's not his home world. No, I know that. I just was, I just couldn't remember if there was any reference to a to a Black Sun home world. At any rate, so so they spent a little bit more time with Black Sun. I'm glad that they sort of rested on that moment a little bit, um, so that you know we could sort of get that that payoff. I myself was waiting for um, a reveal of Shizor at one point, uh, but it, it didn't happen. Yeah, it just would have kind of made it a little sweeter, wouldn't Andy? Wouldn't it, Andy? Oh, totally. It would have been awesome, but I I loved it. I mean, it was great bringing them in. You know. Yeah. Yeah, just having just having them there was was cool. So um, then we meet the Pikes, and again, um, Lom Pike, one of Kyle's favorites. Um, they they're sort of like uh, the Iraqis in the first Gulf War. They just they just gave up like immediately. They <laughs> put their guns down. My uh, give up. My give up. Uh, so whatever that is. Now the Pike Syndicate. What do we know about the Pike Syndicate? Because you have to assume that there's something in it for all of these. It, it's not just building an army. I think that it's got to be there's got to be some strategy here because I think they want more than just warriors. Jimmy Mack is what are each one of these groups bringing to the table from all supplies, um, uh, sheer numbers. Mm-hmm. That's for sure because they certainly were excited when they met up with the Black Sun and they saw the numbers that those guys had so you'd have to assume that that's just part of the criteria of what they're looking for they're looking for supplies technology and sheer force of numbers and specifically organizations that can give them what they want and it also looks like they're looking for a sense of honor too Um, well wait a minute now don't we hear them say that that's weakness oppressed says that that honor is weakness but then so so is the the pirates and their you know their profit motives. So what are these guys into? But that's not is that really honorable? I mean because look at um the Mandalorians, the Death Watch. Mm-hmm. They want to bring back what they believe is their true warrior race. Our true warrior ways. 
Um, That's my pre Vizsla, just for you. The Huts, what are they looking to achieve? Nothing. And, you know, so they obviously can't, you know, they're all in it for themselves. I got to say, I, I've, I've decided that if, if I could be, if I could come back as, and I had to be some alien race in the Star Wars universe, and I couldn't be, you know, Luke Skywalker, uh, it'd have to be a hut. Those dudes have the life. I mean, except when they're getting cut in half by, by Savage Press. But still, I mean, you're right, Jim. I mean, like, the, what do they want? They just, they're gluttons. They have total control. Um, they just eat. They have hot chicks in bikinis chained to them. Like a life of a dog. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, so, I'm sorry, you were saying, so, you know, what do the huts want? What do the huts have? What do they offer? What are they offering? And the pikes, I mean, we just don't know anything about them. Yeah. We really know nothing about them. Right. I assume that we'll learn more about them as this thing plays out. But, you know, the huts, you can fill in the blanks. You can't. Also with the uh, Black Sun and the Death Watch. Um, it's quite a crew that these guys have gotten together. No doubt about that. And they'll be a force to be reckoned with. And it's going to lead up to what we've always known about the, the Mandalorians, at least the Mandalorian armor. It was worn by, um, by a society that mm-hmm. was defeated by the Jedi in the Clone Wars. That's something we've known going all the way back to 1980 and the uh, Empire Strikes Back books. Mm-hmm. So uh, just how it all plays out, though, whoever thought that Darth Maul would be leading the effort? Nobody. Nobody. Whoever thought we'd be seeing a Mandalorian with an ancient lightsaber? You never thought you'd see that. Right. This is so outside the box. Totally beyond what I dreamed of when I was a kid hearing those stories about the Jedi defeating Mandalorians in the Clone Wars. This is completely beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, Kyle, is this like a... Where does this all fit in the grand scheme of the Clone Wars? It seems like, in a way, it's sort of, it's sort of off-topic. It really doesn't have... This doesn't really have anything to do with the Clone Wars. If anything, the Clone Wars is just creating the environment where these kind of insurgencies can happen. Well, yeah, it's, it's off topic, but I think that's the point a, a little bit of the beauty of the Clone Wars is that um, some of these off topic things are actually far more interesting than the on topic trajectory of the war. Um, so I'm glad we do these tangential things because obviously – it's not just the immediate things that happen in the war, but it's the environment that Sidious and the unknown that he cultivates, that it creates and festers. And it's obviously percolated in a way where we see the the syndicates and these underworld groups and everyone's kind of popping up and vying for power. So it, it is really cool. And I think the reason he goes to the huts is because doesn't he ask for their space to travel through there? The Pikes were to bolster the army, and obviously they have wealth and they're a spice syndicate. And um, the Black Sun is incredible wealth and obviously influence. They're like the most – they're legit crime lords, whereas the Huts are still kind of vile and, and a little bit unpredictable. The Black Sun are more like businessmen. Um, so he's covering kind of three different bases – I personally would have loved to see them deal with the huts and then at the resolution of that, the pikes see this intent, you know, and execution and then they lend they come down and lend their hand and um you know, then you see the payoff of them exerting their influences. Now people are starting to come to them. It it's the same beat, it takes up the same amount of screen time, but it could have been a nice ad and then you see this extra armada kind of saying now we're part of the group because you've shown your might and, and kind of forced the hut's hand. Andy, one of the things that, that jumped out at me was the fact that uh, the bounty hunters were probably, they probably put up the best fight uh, more than anybody. I mean, they almost at, at, at many times had the upper hand on uh, these Sith Lords as they fancy themselves, uh, Darth Maul and Savage Press makes the bounty hunters look like perhaps the the better warriors. Yeah, absolutely. We get to see Dengar. That's great. <laughs> right, right. Not as good when he shows up. Yeah, Dengar. Yeah, they they definitely had the the jump on them, and 
that I mean, I thought that was one of the best parts of the episode for me. I'm wondering there was real tension. Yeah, I was it, there was But it wasn't so easy. That's exactly right. And I was sort of guessing as to who was really going to get the upper hand. I have to say, if I was going into battle, um, I might take me some bounty hunters with me as opposed to uh, Maul and Oppress. Uh, because they definitely needed the help and the aid assistance of the Mandalorians. They weren't I, – I don't think that they could have taken, quite honestly, those bounty hunters by themselves. I was really surprised to see that someone like Sugi could hold her own against someone like Darth Maul. I just would have never figured that that would be the case. And I thought for sure at that moment Sugi was going to die. I really did. I thought Embo's, Embo's time was number two. Yeah. She but, should have uh, died because Darth Maul missed six times there. Yeah, that was crazy. How do you miss six times? Well, you know. You've been dead. No. You come back that to life. Me how Darth Maul no. missed six times with, a, with someone laying on the ground in front of him. Um, yeah. Yeah. She should have died or it should have been once. <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of uh, incredible, did you guys catch the moment when uh, Savage Oppressed stood up and hit his head on the light? Yeah, yeah. There were a yeah, few. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? For is, is fast paced and at times violent, at times dark that these episodes were. There was some comedy in here. Like you said, Jason Savage bumping his head on the ceiling lamp, and then you had a humorous music cue to go along with it. It just The music just stopped. And then um, other, other funny parts would be um, the Black Sun bodyguard, um, the one who accepted the relationship with the Sith. <laughs> yeah, right. Consideration. And then there was the great line Darth Maul had when he was interrogating that weird hut, the one with the hat. And Aruba? Yeah, he's always so. You're telling me I could find Jabba at Jabba's palace, you know? Right, right. So that's that's the best you have. <laughs> it was, and and it was good acting from the animation point of view too. All the grimaces that they put on Darth Maul's face, mm. specifically when Pre Vizsla mentioned the name Obi Wan, and Maul was was there with him. The, the look on Maul's face, he was. Twitchy and there, insane. There are yeah. moments where Maul, that model that they're using for Maul, looks almost photoreal. I sure. think there's some, yeah, there's some really, really great moments. Yeah, Jim, the amount of expression when you compare this to season one, I mean, there's just you know, there is no comparison. Oh my god, I, the I, amount of expression I, that they're getting out of these models. Season one, they were like marionettes, and the lip sync seemed off, and they looked all wooden and everything. These mm-hmm. are living, breathing characters that yeah. are truly representative of what I always picture in my head of the characters in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, yeah man, it has come a long, long way. The only thing about Darth Maul is that I wish they would just downplay those glowing eyes so much. He's got, like, Jawa eyes going on. And I think, you know, the, the Sith eyes were... were they, they they were yellow and red, but they didn't really have this unnatural glow to them. Maybe Palpatine did from time to time. No, now that I, I kind of think it worked. I think in the context of the show, in the way in the in the style of the show, I I, I think it works. Kyle, my, I got a question for you. The, the um the fact that Vizsla understood the rule of two, did that jump out to you as as strange. Why would why would Vizsla? be familiar with Sith legend when the Sith have been exter- you know, extinct for a millennium. I thought that was weird. It stuck out to me. I mean, I was trying to... It's one of those things where I had to think about for a second, and I revisited the second time I watched it. And maybe because they spent so much time infiltrating and taking out Jedi that they had to understand all aspects of a Jedi, and to understand a Jedi is to understand Sith. Mm. And it could be that, so he has a basic inkling. But I really feel like that type of thing is something that's a closely guarded Jedi secret. That's something they know. They aren't going to publicize just how much they know about how the Sith are operating or what they're doing. The fact that the Jedi even know there's only two is a feat in itself. Um, Yeah. That's something probably the Sith wanted them to know. Right. Um, so, I mean, it is tricky because I don't know how he got that information, but it's not unfeasible that he had that information. I mean, they needed to set up the moment where he says we are the, we're, we're the true Sith, although 
Jimmy, if you he kind of downplays Savage because he says something about him being the apprentice and he says he is my brother. Right. So he doesn't give him the credibility of being his apprentice. No, he says though we are the true Sith. Yeah. Um perhaps brother could be considered to be a higher accolade to give someone than apprentice. Uh, okay. All right. Well, to say you know we we are are you know representative of one another, and it also seemed like Pre Vizsla had a sense of disdain for for Savage, treating him like as if he was just some brute. Maybe he knows him, um, <laughs> treating him <laughs> as if he was just some mindless brute. And he said uh, he instructed the droids, you know, take care of Darth Maul, but do what you can for the other one. You know, he was just it, it just seemed to yeah. Be, it seemed to me that he felt Savage was disposable. So, and, and only just trying to help him out because he wanted what Darth Maul was bringing to the table. By the way, uh, Andy, did you notice that Savage oppressed now growls? Did you catch yeah. that? Almost like a lion, yeah, like a lion's that. growl or something. Did that work for you? Uh, it didn't throw, it didn't throw me off any. Yeah. It was okay. You just kind of bought it. You know what the worst, yeah. most out of place growl in cinematic history is? Is Rocky Three when Mr. T as Clubber Lang is in the ring growling like a lion at Rocky Balboa. Watch that film next time it's on TV, and you'll see what I'm. Are they talking. using like real lion uh, roars, or is it is it is it T doing the the sounds? No, no, it was like it was definitely an animal. It was not. Oh, okay, was- I thought you were gonna say when the. The shark roars in Jaws four. That would be my least favorite. But. Okay, all right. That's but but Mister T, that's up there. Ty, it's up there. Yeah, Mister T, Mister T is the one that I found to be the most offensive. Uh, <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> so Savage Press is okay. Yeah, so it works for him. Yeah, to me, he's uh, he's um, channeling his inner Sith. Right, and that's cool. Right, it's the Sith are kind of like animals. Kind yeah, of- I feel like he's becoming more animalistic yeah he certainly i mean compared to darth maul andy he's not nearly the uh the intellectual <laughs> that, that maul is and that's not saying a whole well, yeah, lot yeah and, and they're definitely playing that off more mm. i noticed that too i noticed that too it seemed as though th- that they were kind of playing up the fact that that savage press is not quite on the same playing field as even pre Vizsla, right? Yeah. Kind of like Frankenstein's monster a little bit. You know, like, I don't know, he's been taken down a peg. And, uh, by the way, also in Star Wars, apparently losing a limb does not is not all that traumatic. Because he just kind of looks, he's like, eh, eh, interesting. You know, and, and Luke does the same thing. He looks down, he's like, eh, right, right, not bad. <laughs> be kind of nice, I think, to, to, to live in a world like that where it didn't matter, right? Uh, it must be worse if you look down and you actually saw nothing. So <laughs> that would be right. worse. I- Depends where you're looking down. Yeah. Paul, <laughs> well, Siggy should have lost a limb or something. What's that? Siggy should have lost a limb when she was being uh, lightsabered by Maul. Yeah, yeah I right. That, that would I would have at least liked her to get injured. Um. But but you know what? Speaking of which, I wanted to the the dark saber effect. I was kind of wondering. Um, it seems like they changed it a little bit from the last time we saw it. It's even more otherworldly. It's almost like it's a two D effect in a three D style of animation. Anybody? I can't put my finger on why it it uh, stands out so much. Yeah, it, I it looked really it. weird it to me beautiful. too. I, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I thought it really really worked, but. Uh, it's striking. It's unique. It's something that we, like Jimmy said earlier, we didn't expect to ever get something like this ancient saber. This that kind of things popped up. I'm sure it was never part of their checklist at the beginning, but right. it's these extra little things that expand the universe, but still fit right in. And I, I, it, it's great. It was, it was really striking. Loved it. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought that um, by the end of this, even though I think we could, we could argue and we have that perhaps the setup of it was a little bit rushed you know my 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 hope is that given the fact that they gave us four episodes of gascon that the reason that this one 
is so rushed is because that means they've got just that much more to tell us over the next, you know, uh, whatever it's going to be, eight episodes to, to finish up this season. Um, and we know from things that Dave Filoni has said uh, publicly and, and on this program that there were some scenes that, uh, at least one scene that was cut for later this season that where he actually had to send the, the whole cast out in the lobby so that he could just have Matt Lanter, Anakin Skywalker, and uh, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano record these lines. And so a big piece of the puzzle, according to Dave, is going to be given to us uh, this season. And so I think that what we're seeing here is laying the groundwork for for just that. Uh, just a little bit of speculation. Um, clearly, Satine is now in more than one person's sights. I would say that she's a target when it comes to uh, Pre Vizsla, but also now knowing that there was a relationship there, I think Jimmy Maul might be coming after Satine. It's a great way to get back at Obi-Wan. Kill two birds with one stone, of course. Um, we definitely are going to see the conquest of Mandalore happening this weekend on the Clone Wars. That's, that's where they're heading. Um, actually, uh, the, the name of the episode is uh, Shades of Reason, and um, it's going to be uh, the attack on Mandalore. This is, it's, it's all coming to a head now. Now we're going to find out why the poison Snapple was so significant. I've been on the edge of my seat wondering why. No. Well, we do know that Sidious factors into these episodes. Well, I, I hope he does. I certainly Doesn't hope he, he does. I mean, we saw that that uh, part of the, the clip they showed, right, where he lands. Didn't it look like Mandalorian guards? Yes, yes. That he kind of chokes out and walks through. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I assume. Something like that? Am I crazy? No, not at all. Not at all. Well, oh, Yeah. I assume we're going to see the Mandalore, the Death Watch, actually be successful in leading their attack on the planet, and they will take over. And then from that point, that will truly get Sidious's attention, and he'll make it a point to fly to Mandalore and go down there and confront Maul and Savage because they're pretenders to the true Sith. He is the true Sith. And at that point in time... True, he's grooming Anakin Skywalker. He still has Dooku at his side. They have to go and pee on their territory, essentially. They can't have rogue Sith running around the galaxy. That's too much to control. That's too much to contain. And it's too much of a liability. Because Darth Maul knows way too much. Well, it's interesting to me that when he thought all they were doing was uh, dinking around with pirates, it wasn't a big deal. Dinking around with pirates. Yeah. He wanted the Jedi to assume they were just dinking around with pirates to get them off the scent. He wanted to deal with them in his own way. And he still may put them in his place, kind of like the way Maul pinned Savage with his hoof, that one episode by the face, and put him in check and then brought him back into the fold. Maybe he's going to go down, smack these guys down, rough them up, chop off a limb or two, and then bring (laughs) them back to do... Ah, the prodigal son returns, or maybe he's uh, going to go chop them in quarters now. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's out to kill him. I mean that. That I don't think he's out to teach him a lesson. I think he's out just to to get rid of him. But um, yeah, I mean, well taken. I mean, I the, the I think the I thought the what I was hearing was the case being made that now all of a sudden with a siege on Mandalore, this is going to raise. Uh, you know Palpatine's ire, and my thought was, well, he's known about this, so why why would this be any different? Um, other than the fact that before he thought they were just uh, messing around with pirates. I do agree. Why why wouldn't he have taken care of him when he had absolutely no power base? Yeah, I mean, a, a great point. That was the first he heard of him being back. He can't have any leg up on anyone. So now he's going to have to go in there and take out. The Pikes, and we know how, what badasses they are. Uh, the Black Sun, uh, now Hutta, the you know, or the, excuse me, the Huts. So he's going to have to get his hands dirty, and we know that Palpatine does not like to get his hands dirty. 
Well, we'll find out. Unless he knew, unless he, unless he invited the chaos that he knew Maul would bring, and maybe the chaos is going to get a little too much. Well, it certainly throws the Jedi off the track of of Sidious. Yeah, absolutely. Because we know they're looking I mean, for a. There's definitely a reason. A Sith Lord. To continue. Say that again. There's definitely a reason he would allow it to continue. I mean, his his point right now is to, you know, build the chaos in the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see where it leads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll find out where it leads next week. Can't wait. that's going to wrap up our conversation of eminence but certainly not our conversation here on clone wars declassified particularly as it relates to darth maul savage press pre the death watch those wretched pikes the huts in black sun oh my gosh it is truly the rogues gallery of the clone wars great times talking about a really profound episode and certainly one that i think that is a title change in the way this season is going and maybe in the whole scope of the series itself we'll find out as we move on the next episode i believe is called hold on i got it i got it i got it shades of reason shades of reason i thought they would keep up with these single word mall episode titles like revival and eminence and what are the other ones jim help me out Brothers and brothers, revenge. yeah, brother, brother, brother. Is that you, brother? You, brother? You, brother? You brother? <laughs> yeah, you know, the more I think about it, they have really downgraded the Savage Press character. I mean, he is a shadow of the, the guy that was out looking for Maul. It's like they've switched places in a way. Now he's sort of the special one. We'll say, yeah. Strange. Anyway. All right. Great talking to you, Andy. Andy Hurley. You know him from Fallout Boy, but here we just we just consider him one of us, one of the good guys, the Star Wars fans. Great to hear from you, and thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are welcome anytime, sir. Anytime. Kyle Newman. Brother, 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 brother. Always great well, to talk Andy. to you as well. Great catching up with you. It's so much fun down at Celebration. And uh, it was fun talking Star Wars with you tonight. And Jimmy and Jason, much, much success um, is wished for you guys. Nothing but the best in your new venture. And Thank I'm you. excited. Um, and it's just great talking Star Wars with you guys, as always. I think, you know, if we get episodes like this every week, there would be no complaints. You know, everything is is... My issues with this were... In contrast to other episodes, and why can't we spend more time on something that is awesome when we're spending too much time on something that is obviously overmelt? So right. it's all that was a question of contrast. But if this in its own, you'd look at this and you go, "This is phenomenal." I would watch this every day of the week, multiple times. Um, again, you know, kudos Absolutely. to everyone who works on this show. It's just this lighting was really unique, very clever, beautiful stuff. Um, and it is oh, all great. Those, those wide shots are, are amazing. Like, they're going on a Tatooine, and it just brings me back to all the feelings I got, you know, watching the movies. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that, that, Andy, that's because... One, that's one thing this season I've, I've really felt. They, they've had a lot of shots that have really been taking me back. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because the one thing I noticed when they were on, uh, when they were on Tatooine... Jabba's Palace, it, the colors and the way it was rendered just felt like a Ralph McQuarrie concept painting from Return of the Jedi Absolutely. of Jabba's Palace. Yeah, yeah and love I that. said Zan. I said conquered Dawn before it meant Zanbar. Zanbar is where all the women look like dudes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to correct myself. I know that bar. I know that bar. I've been there. 
this is a great, great episode, and I think this is the beginning of a fantastic arc. So we're in store for something awesome. All right, Kyle, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Uh, love to yeah, Jamie. And uh, wait, here's Jamie. Oh, hi guys. oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! What a surprise! How are you? Nice. Always good to hear from you. Hopefully, we're going to hear you on uh, on Clone Wars again before the series wraps. Oh, you will be hearing me on Clone Wars. Oh. In a very important and very poignant episode. Oh, yes. And oh, many, yes. many voices. Very excited. Awesome. We're excited, too. Thanks, hon. Appreciate it. Jimmy Mack, Eminence, final thoughts. All right, Jason. Final thoughts on Eminence. Yeah, this is an episode we've been waiting for for a long time. It's really exciting to see all these story threads come together now. Finally, we're going to be getting payoff for a lot of things that have been set up over the years. Um, I really appreciate the acting in this episode, especially Sam Witwer really adds a ton of intelligence to the character of Darth Maul, John Favreau's pre-Vizsla, Colden calculating as always. I love how he says Jedi. He's an enemy of the Jedi. He really just falls off the table when he says Jedi. There's always a sense of contempt in his voice when he says that word, which is cool. Uh, a guy we don't talk about too often here on the uh, on Clone Wars The Classified is uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, and he was great as the Black Sun leader, and he is also our voice for Jabba the Hutt, which he nails perfectly, of course, with some electronic enhancement. For those of you who are not familiar with Kevin's work, he's probably best known as Cleveland Brown Jr. on The Cleveland Show. Hey. So uh, always good to hear his talents on Clone Wars because when uh, I heard that voice of the Black Sun leader, I, I was like, that's a cool sounding voice. And that was that was uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. So good stuff. Great setup to these episodes we've been waiting for for a long time. I think we're going to see some very interesting things happen with Satine's character next week. Could it be the ultimate fate of Satine? Well, we just have to wait and see. Nuke Gunray, not in this episode. Wait, G- Jamie had one more thing. Oh. Um, if you guys tell everyone to like my Facebook fan page, which is me with the Stormtrooper, I will do a the growl for you. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. How do we get to the fan page? It's um, if you go on Facebook and you write in um, Jamie King, yes, you'll see a picture of me with a Stormtrooper. Uh huh. All right, I'm doing it now. Facebook. Ah, all right. Go to the Jamie King fan page. And like me, because it's new. And like Jamie. I'm doing it right now. And, and by the way, that's J-I-J-A-I-M-E. All right. It's coming up here. Behind the scenes updates on Clone Wars and how Dave and I work together. And lots of fun other updates. So I thought mm. you guys would like that. Yes, please. Thank you so much. No, I will do the growl for you. No. <laughs> 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 come on, come on. <laughs> All right, there it is. All right. Uh, bye, guys. <laughs> bye, bye. All right, guys, if you want to hang out with us in between shows, we'd love to have you part of the conversation. Go to Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. Also, the official website, RebelForceRadio.com, launching very soon. But in the meantime, you can uh, use our little audio player there. The bottom of the page, scroll all the way down. You can listen to all the shows that we've released so far here at Rebel Force Radio. More to come on that. Well, email address, show at RebelForceRadio.com. Don't be shy. Send us your thoughts where we got it right where we got it wrong all that good stuff we'll see you next week love you all so much for rebel force radio and clone wars declassified i'm jason and i'm jimmy matt and remember the force will be with you always always